You're listening to Errol Parker and Clancy Overall, editors of the Batuta Advocate on Desert Rock FM. Welcome back to the Batuta Abbey Radio Show. I'm hoping my collars. Uh, it's looking fine. Looks looking beautiful. Yeah. One of the rare ones we're filming. We've got cameras here, by the way, guys. So um, The shark, I didn't notice yeah, it. Was... Yeah, we're not going to be doing a uh, full YouTube video unless we get spun gold out here, but we'll be using this for social media. This is the new world we're in. My name's Clancy Overall, editor of the Batuta Advocate. I'm joined by Effie Bateman, who is effectively our guru on lifestyle, culture, the fine arts, and dating. <laughs> and today's guest, Ben and Chris from Silverchair. We're, we're really excited to have you guys. Excited to be Today. here. <laughs> now, this would be a familiar feeling for you guys, being brought in to meet the big media guns um, <laughs> as young men, starting from a very young age. Now, the narrative is, and this is my tinfoil hat, Man, these kids were only 14 when they started. I think that's bullshit. I also think that's revisionist to protect the record labels that took you around the world uh, as miners. I know for a fact you guys were 12 when it started. Was- yeah, essentially the band formed, like <laughs> the three of us came together at the age of 12. I mean, Ben and Dan were, I guess their musical journey started even a few years before that. But essentially the crux of the band was from about the age of 12. Twelve is, and no one's really emphasising that that is preteen age. Preteen, yeah, not teenagers at twelve. Well, we hadn't quite left the garage at that point, though. <laughs> yeah, right, right, right. Um, and then I guess by the age of fourteen, it was the That's, band had been discovered essentially. Yeah, yeah. Time moved a lot faster back then. Oh uh, no, I reckon as you, you think it's slow now. Yeah. Time's moving fast. Yeah, it's right. Like, just wondering how that turnaround from being 12 year olds from probably just in Newey High, I mean, not even in Newey High yet at probably, that point. Uh, 13 was year seven, wasn't yeah, it? So just yeah. stepping into year seven. <laughs> year seven. Um, and then within, how many years from that point was it until you were touring America with the Red Hot Chili Peppers? Two years. 18 months, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, it is pretty wild, wild looking back now. It's crazy. It's an amazing story. You obviously, um, for that particular perfect cross section in Australian media, where Triple J was the overlord, and you know people would actually watch those shows like Recovery and Rage and stuff like that, to have homegrown talent that they could showcase to young people, kind of would have put you in living rooms all around the country, but no more than your hometown of Newcastle, who really had it going on around this time as well, by the way. The Newcastle Knights were starting to win. Yeah. You know, you had... Uh, <laughs> there were a lot of good things coming A lot out. of vibes yeah. at Newey. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And that, you had all the pubs, and you also had, you know, the people that had kind of made a name from Newey Rock before you. Can you tell me, what was it like when you first met those old battlers, like the Screaming Jets and, the you know, those kind of guys? We've also spoken to Gleeson about this too before. He said... Your parents brought you through, yeah. but I only heard from his perspective, which was they were off their heads and they were trying to <laughs> offer advice to you. And you guys were like wide-eyed preteens. I, I do feel there was a genuine yeah. like helping hand, yeah. um, you know, from those guys because, um, you know, we we were we were just kids and young, and, dumb, and yeah, you know the rest. Not full of rum yet, because you, you didn't start drinking until you were. 
14. So, but I also like the story that there was like your parents were on tour. One of your parents was always on tour, right? Yeah. It was either the mums or the dads. Mums or the dads. I'm I'm sure I didn't know which one was more responsible. But it was either the mums or the dads. And then you turned 18. I'm guessing you all turned 18 at the same time. Yeah, we're sort of April, October, and November. So (laughs) it was. Um, What happened then? What was the arrangement as you were all of voting age? Taxpaying voters, did you tell your parents to stay home? <laughs> yeah, essentially, pretty much the day came where you know we got to rip the bandaid off, um, and it's not like we just went, berserk. you know, berserk overnight. No, you know, you're like 18 and you're trying to find where the limit is, yeah. but we still had good management around us and good good people, but we had bags of fun. Yeah. Yeah. I think I think, I think what our parents should have done as as we were getting closer to the 18 mark they should have let the reins out a little yeah, bit okay. but they were kind of like they were holding on as hard as they could because I think like they the Melbourne Cup and yeah. the gates yeah, open yeah they were like oh it's, kind of, it's almost at the end but that but, makes you rebel more I think yeah, yeah. that's it if, if they let the reins out a little bit as we were getting close to 18 when, we, we when might, your boys are about to take off around the world at 18 Oh, well, they're 15 old. Oh, come on, mate. Just listen yeah, to the reins, the reins out of this. Yeah. No, but if they did, if they did, once we turned 18, we, we would have been more we likely to say, hey, why don't you come out for a few days on tour? But because they were so like almost trying to be like strict parents on the road, like, you know, once you turned 18, it was like, that's it. We're cutting the ties. We're off. Yeah. <laughs> See you later. I mean, it is, it's, it's an interesting one because it's such a – like what you guys went through as superstar rock stars, um, you know, Australian rock heroes at such a young age is such a rare thing for people to, and you know, of course you're aware of that. But it's a very, very bizarre situation your parents found themselves in. Had, yeah, was yeah. there, like, were there parent meetings about this shit as it started to pop? Well, we like, were only just talking about this the other day about the fact that we're kind of that age now, what our parents were yeah, right. traveling the world with teenagers. Um, <laughs> and. I, I, like it's sort of just dawned on me I was like oh wow how would you manage it how would you how yeah. would you navigate that yeah. but I don't know I guess we were just lucky they were happy to support us and let us run off with our craziest dreams follow our dreams yeah, yeah. did you have um, any bands try and corrupt you I've got you know, I've got a memory of Offspring actually at the <laughs> Adelaide Hilton and we wanted to hang out with them and like chat with them because we were like, this is offspring. This is bloody cool. And they were like, if you want to hang out with us and spend time with us, you have to drink with us. So that, that's, you know, and they'd mm. bring out shots and our parents were there. <laughs> and we were underage and we were like kind of going like, we're going to get away with it. Well, they had conditions. Yeah, <laughs> that's right. You want to sit at the table? <laughs> yeah. There's also um, a few rumours around the Steel City about uh, the Newcastle Knights corrupting you guys. Well, there's one legendary story of Joey Johns going and grabbing Daniel the following Mad Monday. After. Yeah, on Mad Monday, well, yeah, Premiership. <laughs> but I mean, yeah. I think know. that's been blown out of proportion. <laughs> I, I do, I do. I remember seeing the guys a bit around town, like when I was sort of. 18 mm. and starting to go out in Yui and you know there was definitely a scene <laughs> yeah there was one there was a club in Newcastle called uh, the Mercury 
and there was uh, there was there was t- a few levels, but there was between one level Mercury, there was always yeah. like they set of stairs with a road case, and I'd be I'd I'd walk between the levels, and Joey John Joey'd sit there but on this road case, and if he spotted me, he'd always be like, Benny, <laughs> Benny. <laughs> and I'd go on and end up talking to Andrew for like an hour just in at the Mercury, yeah. About but the life and times. About yeah. the life and times, yeah. Well, they had the chair and they had the silverware <laughs> and they had the steel. Do you guys feel, because, uh, you know, at, when you popped off, it was everyone had long hair. Uh, also shirtless, I forgot, in the Tomorrow video. Oh, that, that was Chris. That was you, you yeah, went shirtless. That was this rig. Yeah. That was, yeah. <laughs> um, do you think the whole Daniel having platinum blonde hair... And probably, you know, like um, more kind of very much like he had that grunge features in his kind of, you know, jaunting kind of jutting bones, cheekbones, you'd say. Do you think that kind of hid you a little bit in like the plane, like in the, you know, with you two just kind of looking similar to each other and then him popping out as a platinum blonde? Do you reckon, you know, in some some aspects, because I know it happens with the Batuta team like it's the guy with the beard who's six foot five that cops it and, and they get to hide in plain sight yeah. Um, I think yeah naturally him being the front man yeah. definitely the spotlight was on Dan more so than us and you know he yeah he definitely I guess with that came other things good and bad yeah he, yeah, he definitely wore the brunt of yeah, yeah, you know yeah. a lot of that sort of so like no attention. one knows where you met your missus but everyone would know where he met his missus you yeah know totally I mean? like yep. um which i guess is haunting in many aspects mm. i want to talk about newey high i, I might, might have told you guys before this but when we interviewed mikey robbins uh newcastle comedian good Newsweek fame we asked the we always like to ask the question, which is ridiculous. We oh, I, I think I know this story. <laughs> I think I know this story. We wouldn't bother asking you this question, <laughs> but the question is, when did you know you'd made it? And he said, I knew I'd made it when I got invited back to Newcastle High to speak to the students. And he was talking about being a big shot, and he said he looked down in front of him, and there was about. The way he worded it was, I was looking at about $20 million worth of silver chair. <laughs> <laughs> I remember that day at school. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, the fact that your parents insisted that you remain at school and school, the students just deal with having, you know, Australia's biggest band at school with them. That was, Is that a clutch moment? Is that like a lifesaver for you guys? Because I, I can imagine a school infrastructure could actually put up with that and everyone at school just assumes that everyone has a band at school that's famous. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. It, was life normal in that in that aspect? Well, I mean, we were, we were lucky that our principal actually was very supportive and um, he really helped navigate the, mm. the school time. But we, we, there, was, there was a kind of whiplash between... We were living two lives, ultimately. Mm. You know, we, were, we had this incredible life on the road, touring and playing in front of audiences. Then we'd come home and you're, you're in school uniform, yeah. hanging out with your mates. But a lot of our mates we knew before the band had taken off. So they, in a way, they kind of helped keep us level-headed and yeah, grounded and... You weren't going to get away with much. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, that, you yeah. weren't going to get special treatment. No. no, they did not. Like, yeah, it was Newcastle in the in the nineties. You weren't getting away with nothing. <laughs> <laughs> so then you uh, then you hit the road. I have to say, in looking at your strange story the other night, the way the music matured was really interesting. It kind of matured with what I feel a lot of uh, young people that kind of found you. They could have been as young as you were when you started. Mm. And it kind of it was a good it was a good insight into like uh, maturing tastes that people go through. Yeah. Um, 
you just change it up and you've got new influences. What do you think you were listening at at the start and what do you think influenced you, you know, two albums in? I kind of, well, as a band starting at 12, yeah. like you've got so much musical room to grow. Yeah, yeah. You know, I think if, if you were still playing the music that, you, that you're that you excited about when you're 12 and 14, if you're still playing that when you're 30, I imagine you'd be extremely bored. <laughs> um, so I, it just, it felt like a natural progression to want to push ourselves and, and see how far we could push the boundaries, you know. So that's, I think that's... It was important for us as artists to always keep exploring and growing and, and changing and evolving. Yeah. Were you listening to what your parents were listening to? Because I know when I was a teenager, I would always listen to whatever my dad was listening to, like Fleetwood bit of, Mac. And bit of Travelling Wilburys. Yeah, yeah okay. <laughs> that, was, that was pretty good. <laughs> I got that one. Yeah, oh, yeah essentially, yeah, it all, it all sort of started from, yeah, dad's record collections. Mm. Luckily, they had good taste. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, they weren't playing Bring Back the Bass or what? Yeah, I don't yeah. know, any of that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You weren't limited to like, yeah. And I know what you're saying. There was some music at that time that was kind of, parents could be listening to that was pretty sanitised. It didn't have that mm. much kind of, yeah. you know. They could have been yeah. listening to doo-wop, you know. Yeah, that's <laughs> it. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, so, it was a thing. The bands were a thing. I think Australia discredits the different pub rock eras we've had mm. we think of pub rock and we think of chisel and the you know all the old 10 pound pomps coming out of adelaide right we don't think about the 90s mm. right now i'd say the dominant kind of live music venues would be clubs but back then it was still very much pubs mm. when you guys yeah. were kicking off it was still yeah. very much pubs and, and and you would have been spoilt for venues to play in providing the publican was loose enough to let young <laughs> men as young as 12 or 13 in their venues what was the work rate like before you took off on these international tours well i mean what do you mean from like 12 yeah when, like were you touring when, when did you start doing pubs was it after you came down to sydney and won that um it was kind of battle of the bands battle in the pubs bands. at yeah. that point yeah, yeah. or um talent quests gigs, yeah. like here and there but yeah they were all essentially pubs or a you know so you didn't you, you know, I'm, 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 I'm just realising now as I'm interviewing you you guys didn't have to really do the circuit you didn't really have to well you just kind of moved faster than that where well were, we, we played wherever we could around yeah. Huey at the time yeah right um, and then uh, it all sort of took off once we did the well um, won the Nomad competition yeah. on SBS and then the opportunity to record in Triple J with Phil McKellar and then just a few sliding door moments yeah. um yeah, it all sort of pedal to the metal. We did, we did, we did play at a very classy venue in Newcastle called the Jolly Roger. Yeah, and um, I think they had. I think the we didn't play on this night, but I think every Wednesday night was a topless night. Oh, yeah, yeah the, the skimpy. That was a given. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, we didn't play on those nights, rolls. but yeah. we weren't uh, we weren't allowed in the venue because we were underage. They were like, you cannot go into the venue. Yeah. You have to stay in the band room, and uh, yeah, that was the. That was the rule. But, you know, we, we, def we just played wherever we could, yeah. whenever we could. I've met both of you guys on separate occasions and I've found you quite, how would you say, uh, balanced and responsible. But in uh, this book you've done and in the Australian story the other night, it reveals that, funnily enough, at the later stages of the band, you guys were partying a bit too hard, which is... We were just talking about here how the rains came off and you guys were 18... Why do you think it took you guys like 10 years to start fucking up? 
or at least partying too hard? Uh, for me, I felt like so, for somehow I was keeping the, the partying kind of under control yeah. somehow. Yeah. And then maybe in my late 20s, like, I don't know, this weird kind of, this, uh, just, this something clicked inside of me and I mm. just couldn't have a drink without getting absolutely poleaxed. Mm. Um, I call it the gremlin. The gremlin, the yeah, gremlin, totally. Yeah. The gremlin came in and uh, there was no in-between. There was either, I'm either getting absolutely smashed or zero. Yeah. Um, but I think the, the, the drinking culture within the band changed as well. Yeah. Like we were just, um, drinking became, we never drank before stage, but then it started drink taking drinks on stage and yeah. you know you, you have that perception of like when you've got that twilight that mm. you're oh this 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 gig is great but the reality is it wasn't probably wasn't very good yeah. at all yeah. um so it just it wasn't it didn't happen quickly it just it just gradually crept into the culture of the band and right. ultimately i think you know between bad communication between the three of us and drinking yeah. that that's kind of what was the reason that it all fell apart yeah, yeah. you know but which is uh it's it, it, it it's a cliche like yeah. that happens to yeah. so many bands yeah but it i mean most bands don't get over a decade in you kind of were you music nerds at the start of this thing were you guys nerds about we were making really music? committed to being yeah. the best band we possibly could yeah, absolutely yeah. Right. yeah you know rehearsing was a very like serious thing and yeah. making sure we were prepared and basically just yeah a conscious effort to be the best we possibly could be mm. yeah, it yeah. Was definitely. Um, yeah in terms of rehearsal like we would mm. say for an album or a tour we would rehearse and rehearse and rehearse yeah. and just just to the point where it's almost too much like yeah. we just um yeah we were we were very you know we we always wanted to be a great band mm. and i guess by the time you guys started getting really loose you knew you were one <laughs> well i guess we were like we did come to a point where like we were confident yeah, you know yeah. like um it didn't it didn't mean we slackened off on yeah. doing that that preparation um through caution of the wind a bit more yeah we gears. kind of we were like oh yeah we can get away with it because yeah. we're we are a good band yeah. so we can get away with it but we didn't yeah you didn't get away with it <laughs> well imagine anyone who's just being offered booze all the time like whenever I go to a function and there's free booze, I'm like, yeah, why not? Yeah, there's um, no special occasion anymore. Yeah, just, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> but like, how did you guys get a handle on it eventually? We didn't. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> didn't. I mean, the band didn't, but like you guys seem like, as I said before, you seem pretty kind of balanced now. Did you? Did you? Did it all taper off once the band kind of stopped doing what you were doing? Or yeah, look, look for me personally, I I was a genuine alcoholic. Yeah. And ended up, I did a couple of AA sessions. It didn't really work for me. So I, that, that was a whole other journey for yeah. me. But I also think just with a bit of age and hopefully a little bit of wisdom. Sprinkling yeah. of wisdom. Sprinkling of wisdom. Yeah. You know, you start, you do start to grow up. And, yeah. and, and also, fit, like, when you, once you have children, yeah. that, is a, that is a big change. Like, there's no, all you of a sudden. Hurt more. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's not about you anymore, you yeah, know. You yeah, got to, you've yeah. got these two, you've got humans that you need to care for. Yeah. And um, so life just changes. Which is interesting because we're talking about how loose and... Uh, the booze and all that kind of stuff. Chris, you ended up in pubs. Um, let's I talk did. about that. <laughs> <laughs> For me, like, um, once the band sort of went into its indefinite hibernation mode, I just poured everything. And it was from meeting a good mutual friend of ours. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and I had lots of great friends in the industry. 
and just really i love the energy of it mm -hmm. i love the camaraderie of it and um yeah ended up opening a venue in newcastle it kind of filled a bit of a void for me for mm -hmm. what the band used to um You're i guess busy. give yeah. yeah and a sense of purpose and um identity and yeah we kind of like was going to a gig each night mm. going to work yeah yeah, um, yeah 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 it was yeah it's awesome so what have you been doing i mean you're, you're working with motorbikes now you're up in mid north coast yep, yep. selling uh, in, in a dealership up there what have you been working on ben um, I, mean, I mean, I still... You, last time we spoke, you'd, you'd been making music. Yeah. Is that, is that what you're on full-time? I still dabble in music. I'd say yeah. it's more of a more it's more it's of a hobby now yeah. because it's, I guess, the core of why we started Silverchair and the mm. band was because of our love of music. Mm -hmm. You know, we didn't, re we didn't never imagine what that would become, um, but it was always because we loved what we, we, we were doing. And, and I still love it. I mm. absolutely love playing and creating music. So it's something that will always be a constant for me. Mm twin baby boys that are nearly two that takes up a hell of a lot of my time um and i help my wife she's got a couple of businesses so between those yeah. kind of three or four things like i'm flat chat and obviously like with a book coming out yeah, yeah that's yeah. added a whole new level well, of stuff that we didn't anticipate <laughs> I mean, that sounds not only does it sound like it's time consuming it sounds like it's emotionally taxing because Obviously, well, just the title alone, Love and Pain, right? Mm. Well, last night, actually, we uh, at one of the launches, we um, I joked around saying that you could almost put pain in brackets. Yeah, um, yeah. You know, although we do, we are brutally honest in the book and, and there's stuff that we, you know, wanted to address. Um, we, we very much lean into the love, you yeah. know, the, the, the incredible experiences that we were fortunate enough to have with two best mates, yeah. you know. Um, and the time before the band and all the, you know, um, my kind of mental health and alcohol struggles yeah. and Chris's, you know, unfathomable um, health stuff that quite, he quite went through. Quite a bad over here, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. so... And now you ride motorbikes. <laughs> yeah, well, I've, I've ridden motorbikes for years, like, yeah. For, yeah. forever. Um, yeah. yeah, but, um, yeah, they're a great release. Yeah. Yeah. Pretty dangerous for a guy with the kind of luck, you know. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it, it, it depends on how you look at it. Maybe yeah. I'm the luckiest guy. Yeah, I mean, yeah. If, I mean, it, I'm, I'm sure what you've gone through, and and all, and and all of you, I guess, changes your relationship with luck. Yeah, a lot, doesn't yeah. it? Your, your idea of luck, because yeah, that's right. Um, I feel like you get a get out of jail free card yeah. after all that with the motorbikes. Yeah. Sure. Yeah, 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 yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, to have a heart attack after surviving cancers. That's when luck is completely... You can't even consider it anymore because yeah, it's just Yeah, that's right. Now. Well, you just think, how close was I that time? Yeah. Or like, you know, a little wool on the bike seems like nothing. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's a graze. Yeah. You're enjoying the beautiful mid-north coast i do love the mid-north coast you like your blueberries and love the lifestyle yeah, <laughs> lots of bananas yeah yeah. <laughs> yeah um and you're still in newey still in newey hell yeah oh yeah um well i want to talk about the fact that you guys had kind of got you you dabble in music i'm sure you do too chris we've got two ready willing and able musicians sitting here has anyone given you the call up has anyone, like, I was just sticking it the other day, actually, watching um, Violent Soho play their last gig. Yeah. They'll be yeah, looking like for, a, for yeah. a band member. Are we at the point now in Australian music where we can start talking about super groups? Because um, I know there's there's a lot of, I mean, what's... Great musos out there. Yeah, a lot of great musos out yeah. there. Similar vintage. Uh, we, we have stalwarts in Australian music. Mm. And I think it's time we all got together. 
Yeah, I'll plant the seed. Yeah, the Highwaymen 2.0. <laughs> How are you feeling with the book? Are you uh, are you feeling a little bit of a release? There was, look, when we finished, so the, for me, there's been like some very key milestones. Mm-hmm. Like finishing just the manuscript mm-hmm. was definitely you kind of go. Oh, yeah, cool. We're done. Yeah. And then there's this next phase and now we're into the, the final phase now where the book's out and we'd, it's been quite overwhelming, yeah. A, the response with it, um, how it's been received. Yeah, pretty buggered. Yeah, But sure. in a good way. Like yeah. I, I feel like it's um, it's been quite rewarding. What made you guys come up with the book now? I think it was, for me, it was just a, it felt like the right time. I'd sort of stepped back from a little bit Ben had suggested um, he, well, he was going to write a book a couple of years ago actually was the first um, more than that maybe five years ago and then yeah just after yeah, some recent life experiences and mm. whatnot, yeah it just felt like you know a good time to lean into it and park all those amazing stories in one place there was, there was definitely a catharticism and a, and a healing that I think we were both, and, and some closure around the yeah. band, um, just because the the breakup of the band, and officially we're still in indefinite hibernation. You yeah. know, we actually haven't come together, the three of us, and, and said, hey, yeah. it's over. So yeah. uh, I guess we were just looking for some closure and some healing, and so and it, just kind of putting it all on paper and and getting it, you know, a bit of a bit of a, an emotional purge has mm-hmm. been you know a really nice feeling and and also back to my kids like for me the trigger point like because i was talking to chris about it as soon as my kids were born that was the point where i was like i want my boys to read the story my story from my perspective and and not from you know googling or any clickbait articles Mm. you know Mm. yeah and that's and then we started the process Mm. yeah i do love the fact that Silver Chairs. It's kind of like that Dr. Dre album that was supposed to be, you know, he's even released a single from it 10 years ago, but we don't know when he's going to release the detox and if he ever will. Um, I, I do love the fact that you guys are in hibernation. And even at the end of this book, at the end of the Australian story, there's still no real solid answer as to whether or not we're going to see you guys no, play again. No, I guess the, 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 uh, the, on the band's uh, Facebook, you know, it still is that we're in indefinite, in indefinite hibernation. Yeah, yeah. You know, yeah, and it and it constantly stirs. Every time you see like a festival lineup and they're talking about, oh, someone's dropped out. There's a secret act. Like <laughs> there's a secret. It, it, you're always mentioned in those moments. I remember when Chance the Rapper pulled out of uh, Splendor in the Grass, and they're like, "There's a secret act. Don't worry, it's a secret act." I'm like, "This would be a good moment for them. It'd probably be a good pay packet too." But uh, it, 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 Hilltop Woods flew up for it. Hilltop Woods flew in for it. But yeah, you, you're still in those conversations. Too. You're still in contention in those moments it's too. Nice so to it be, means yeah, Silver Chair is still is still alive in that sense. But yeah, I mean, I haven't actually seen you guys play outside of that, which I'd I'd like to do. So we're going to be pushing this home we'll do it across Batuta Advocate um, let's see if we can recommend like maybe a Killing Heidi silver chair hybrid or like some <laughs> sort of some sort of super group we'll see what we can do we'll do yeah. polls put some names together yeah, yeah. yeah. silver finger Silver Finger. Oh, yeah. I mean, those, you guys toured together. Yeah, didn't you? we did a bit yeah. of that. Yeah, Silver Finger. Powder Chair. Yeah, no, it was yeah. Powder Chair actually. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, 
But I want to ask about silver chairs. Someone tried to explain it to me once. I didn't quite understand how they were saying. All I know is silver chairs a great name. It was a great name in an era when a lot of Australian music had everything was the, the, to just yeah kind of, yeah yeah to just come through with a, with a band name that became synonymous and wasn't referenced. It didn't feel like a reference of anything else. It actually felt felt like um, a, an era. Mm. Silver chair, you know what I mean. It's really um, kind of unremarkable, to be honest. Um, but we did we we made a bit of a rookie error early on in our career. We so it, this is in the book actually. We were in a coach coming back from Sydney to Newcastle after some promo or something, and it was a mum's moment. The mums were at the front of the coach, we were at the back. And um, the three of us were talking about, like, we need to come up with... A, we decided on Silverchair yeah. and we, we thought we need to come up with a story behind why. Because the real story was that everyone put names into a melting pot and we're at Triple J Studios recording the EP, I think. Mm. And there was a whiteboard and we put all the names up on the board. The top 10. Top yeah. 10, yeah. And, and Silverchair just came to the and everyone loved it and we're like that's the band name right that's that's how simple it was so in this coach coming back to newcastle we were like all right we need a story you know come on we need and then we came up with this thing where we were calling up triple j requesting songs and someone wanted sliver by nirvana and someone wanted berlin chair by um, UMI and Chris being dyslexic wrote down <laughs> genuinely dyslexic. wrote d- wrote down Silverchair. I don't w- I don't even know why you'd combine both the songs together for a, a request anyway. It's no kind of silly, but back of the bus twenty years ago. That's yeah, right. but that was the story we started saying to press as a funny joke, and then you know, like what thirty years later, we're still having to explain that that was uh, just a made up <laughs> well, story. That's why I asked because. That story still doesn't really make sense to me. It doesn't make <laughs> sense to me either. <laughs> well, um, you know, the silver chair, as we said, indefinite hibernation. Anything could happen. <laughs> but we'll be getting you guys back on here when there is, you know, again, uh, another album on the side. You get that done on the side of having yeah. two, two under two. Um, <laughs> and, and and all of your other commitments. But... Um, Congratulations on the book, guys. Thank you. And thank you for sharing the story with everyone because obviously, you know, you're a pivotal kind of um, force in a lot of people's lives. And a lot of people, uh, and I'm sure you get those people that come up to you and go, hey, can I just say when you released that album, it was like everything to me? I'm sure. Yeah. You, I mean, Silverchair is one of those bands where I know people w- wouldn't be able to control themselves and would have to tell you how much they, you meant to them. Well, I think for, I think most people can relate to music uh, is a timestamp yeah. for you know special mm. moments in your mm. life. So mm. you know it's cool that that we were we're part mm. of that for so many people. Mm. No, well, thank you for giving us the warts and all, and um, done very respectfully too. I might add, you know what I mean. Like I know that there would have been tantrums over the years, and there would have been f- some serious blow-ups, <laughs> and you managed to detail that without calling anyone or so and so I'm sure that was a big part of it was there a bit of drafting going on maybe oh look Ben and I definitely made a conscious effort of being just honest yeah but um, I think there's also a better understanding and a better um, sense of just respect for what happened yeah. and that's okay yeah um, it's, it's, it wasn't about trying to you know make a statement in terms of he said this and I did that yeah. it was it's just some there's some really great stories um, yeah. and um, that was just our perspective on that journey yeah 
And you're all here to tell the story, which is great news. And um, you're looking healthy, boys. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> Particularly you, by the way. I didn't know, uh, since we last saw you'd actually had the, those little, health concerns. And little hearty and stuff. Yeah, yeah, a little bit of a hearty. Yeah. What are you, what are you doing? You, um, are you keto? Where we work with the pod now? Just um, everything in moderation. Yeah, everything uh, in moderation. Just enjoy life. Well, I'll finish with this one. Everything in moderation, <laughs> including moderation. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for joining us, Thank guys. You. Thanks, guys.